Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. I live in Bryan, Texas, sister city to College Station, Texas, home of Texas A&M University. And there is youth everywhere. It's in the tailgating. And by tailgating, I mean riding my bumper, not enjoying a football game from the tailgate, although there is that too. It's in the quiet mornings and in the rowdy nights. It's in all the latest trends walking around town. And there is something about this age of human that my personality is drawn to, that my gifts seem aligned to serving. After praying the prayer, here I am, send me, God has delighted me with a houseful of college women. And being whoever it is that these girls need me to be at the moment, a listener, a guider, a speaker, a warm house, a loud family, a friend, a gentle reminder, a soft rebuke, someone to sit with, a home-cooked meal, whatever it is, it is light and fulfilling. Through them, I have been reminded that his burden, it is light. This service suits me. And I love these girls. They pile on and cuddle up and lean in and stay too long and text too late and need a lot. And then they go about their business and ignore my text and show up when I've just laid down for a nap. They giggle and gossip and make up songs and take endless selfies. And then the very next moment they meditate and journal and serve and shock me with weighty wisdom, their truest voice, and a vulnerability that adults seem to have learned to cover up. They handle dramatic, real-life circumstances with stoicism, wisdom, and grace. And then they think the world is ending when they're stood up or get a lousy group for a group project. They are learners. And it takes such humility to have a teachable spirit. These precious girls know that they don't have all the answers. They are young, and they know it. They're not trying to be anything different. In this youth, it makes them tread lightly and hold loosely and seek, seek, seek. What room God has in a heart like that. And what these girls, as they settle into my couch, what they ask me more than anything else is about my friendships. They yearn to know the details of true connection. Is it easy? Is it hard? Is it worth it? They come to me with their friendship or roommate struggles, and they long to know how to get along a little more peacefully, a little easier. And I find such wisdom in this searching Of all of the things that they could be asking me about, I think they are so wise to want to know how to really connect. Connection has brought me from death to life so many times. I haven't always had very many friendships, but I'm thrilled to say that now I have boatloads. Frankly, it's embarrassing to admit, but I was one of those girls in high school that got along better with guys, but a bigger part of the problem was my obnoxious championing. I get along better with guys, as if that was some sort of compliment to myself. It took me an embarrassingly long time to realize it was not a compliment to myself that other girls didn't like me, that the problem wasn't every other girl in the world. The problem was me. One afternoon on my couch, I was sharing a little bit of my story to a girl who was in a sorority that I was advising at the time. And she stopped me while I was talking and asked rather bluntly, so if you didn't like girls, why the heck did you join a sorority? There's like a ton of us. It was a fair question, 
but it did catch me off guard. And I think I mumbled something about peer pressure, but the real answer was because maybe in the back of my mind, I knew I had something wrong. And I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to be better. I don't know what changed in my life regarding this topic. I don't think it's one big thing. Instead, I think it's a million little things. But I do know that something did change because there is no comparison to the person who I was to the person that I am today. But I think it's important to share the discrepancy. I think it gives hope. In high school, I couldn't count on one hand how many people would have accepted a lunch invitation from me. But today, I don't have enough hands to count how many women's kitchens I could walk into and start putting dishes away without having to ask where anything went. The best way to describe what I have today with the women in my life is true. It's not always pretty, but it is always true. I've stood in a bunch of weddings. I have several godchildren. I've held many babies in their delivery rooms. I've answered phone calls in the middle of the night, some with tragic news. I've held bouquets at ceremonies, Bibles at baptisms, hands at funerals. Together, my friends and I, we have shared each other's special moments and we have endured each other's mundane. We have fought, we've cried, we've laughed until we couldn't breathe. We've traveled the world together. We've hated and then forgiven and then hated again and then forgiven again each other's siblings and parents and husbands. We've disciplined each other's children. We've done each other's laundry, boxer shorts and all. We've run each other's errands and we've fed each other when the going got tough. Our kids have worn each other's clothes and caught each other's colds and they'll probably make out with each other one day. I can't be certain because I'm not there yet. But... We share our prayer requests and our menstrual cycles and our joys and our frustrations and the highs and the lows of this precious moment in time. Because of these college girls, I've spent a lot of time thinking about my circle of women and the miracle that they are to me and what it is that may have changed in my soul considering intimacy with them. I think a big part of my solution, it was to quit assuming things about people, to just quit assuming. The other day, I took a crack at running again, for exercise. I'm terrible at it. And I was reminded of my need to keep returning to this lesson to quit assuming again and again and again. I'm not a runner. And I say that and I'm not sure that the image that should come to mind does because it's really a very gross understatement. I've tried it before, but I've found that it hurts. And as a rule, I try to avoid pain. And the times that I have tried to run around the block or something, I've really just found myself gasping and heaving and cussing and counting and then cussing some more and then eventually just going ahead and picking which house I should go ahead and die in front of. I'm like, well, that one has great shrubs. Let's go there. Or that one has a St. Francis statue. Let's go there instead. And it's always so annoying because my friends are like, well, it's a really great prayer time for me. But I can only ever find myself praying, when is this going to be over? Why do you hate me? I really, really hate to run. But I am very runner friendly. So when I drive around my neighborhood and when I see my neighbors out and about filling their much more capable lungs with oxygen, I smile and I wave frantically and I give a little good for you cheer. I clap even. And one of the things that can really make me overreact is doing something noble and no one noticing. For example, waving at someone who is doing something expertly that's impossible for me. And then them not waving back at me. I have a dramatic response where I'm like, you know what? I was just trying to be proud of you. I was just trying to be neighborly. I don't want to be neighborly anymore. Now I want to move. It's a dramatic response. But the other day, I tried to run again. And I realized I'm not as noble of a person as I thought I was. Because I thought my neighbors weren't waving at me because they were mean. 
I thought my neighbors weren't waving at me because they hated me or because they knew what house I lived in and they were really annoyed with our dogs who bark or my lack of flowers or that we can never really seem to get our trash in on time. I assumed, I assumed, I assumed that my neighbors were mean. I assumed that my neighbors didn't like me. But on that run, I learned firsthand that people aren't waving at me because they're doing more important things, like trying to breathe. They aren't waving at me because they're deep in prayer or deep in thought, or they're working something troubling out with their thumps into the pavement. They aren't waving at me because sometimes the sun hits the windshield in this perfect way, and because of the glare, you can't see that someone was waving at you from inside their car until it's already gone. This happened to me three times in one run. My first 30 minutes of running, I learned that my neighbors aren't rude, but that I was an assuming person who was wrong, and I'd wasted so much time trying to move. It's so easy to sit across the circle from someone who looks a certain way or sounds a certain way and then make a million wrong assumptions about them. When I was young and in college, there was a girl that I would have been jealous of if I didn't like her so much. Honestly, she was that perfect. You couldn't even be jealous of her. She was that lovable. She was a 10 on a 10 scale of beautiful. She laughed loud and easily and made other people do the same. And she always seemed to know what to wear. She had attention from boys in every single social circle, and she seemed so comfortable in those social situations, the same ones that I found intimidating. And it wasn't until I was in a Bible study with her that I learned, because she shared that she grew up with an alcoholic mother, in pain and rejection and self-sufficiency and trauma were huge parts of her story. She came to Bible study not because she was a Christian, but because she thought maybe she wanted to be. And if you would have had me guess... I would have said that I was certain that she grew up with loving parents who played board games on Friday nights, that she grew up in Sunday school at her neighborhood's Baptist church and she could retell every Bible story there ever was. I would have been certain that her circumstances were idyllic, that everything was easy for her, that her story was better than mine. Why do we do that? I don't know. I can't be positive, but I learned a lesson that night, and it's that I don't know everything. When my sister shared her story, I found her that much easier to love, and we became roommates, and we are still dear friends to this day. And it just makes me wonder how many people in my life I've let pass me by because my assumptions about them kept me from reaching out or because their reluctance to share their story hid their beauty. This is twofold, I guess. Yes, we need to quit assuming, but we also need to tell our stories. We need to grow in love for one another. We need to reach out and help one another heal because everyone has a story that will break your heart. So we need to let compassion, not judgment, lead us in our quest to really know one another. Judging. It's the easiest thing to do in the whole world. But if everyone was leading with compassion in the place of judgment, then we would be more likely to tell our stories. And our stories are important. They connect us to one another. We can't as easily dismiss one another if we've shared our stories, if we know each other's stories. So how can we encourage one another to gather the words that shape our existences? How can we encourage one another to analyze the events of our lives and be passionate about collecting our own details and then use them to tell how God has moved in our lives? How can we encourage one another to share ourselves with others? Because then we couldn't assume anymore that way. When we explain our lives, we bring clarity and we reveal passion And then when we share it, we realize that our stories, they cannot be separated from the stories of others. Yes, our lives are complicated. Marriage is hard. Our childhoods are tangled and our friendships are thick. Motherhood is exhausting and exhilarating all at the same time. 
but if we would decide to thoughtfully reveal ourselves to others, then they would get to follow along. And then we can relate to each other, and then that's when we dive into true community, true friendship. I feel like in this world and in this culture, so much of the message is to tidy up humanity. But I want to reject any trend that tries to put a cap on humanity because our stories have power, even the messy ones. And they can transform our lives. How we use our stories to connect with others, it matters because how we have lived life deeply, it matters. From the book of 1 John, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is my friend Danielle. We've actually never met, but it doesn't take long to know that she loves out loud and lives in truth. I wanted to share the beauty of getting to know someone on this podcast that celebrates all kinds of friendship. Sister! What's up? Hi, Danielle. Hi. <laughs> um, on, what, what attempt is this for us to get together? Um, too many. <laughs> we did it. It's we not double it. digits it's yet, double digits but yet. like I think it's a good solid five. Yeah, we've yeah, tried yeah. five times. We fought that battle, man. Yeah, we did. And enemy clearly does not want us to sit and do this. That's right. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Um, this is this is unique, and it's unique to the show because I have on people that I have really long-standing relationships with. Now, here's the, here's how it's like here's unique, unique, is that I feel like I have a long-standing relationship with you. Same. And yet we have never had one conversation. Right. Well, face to face. Face to face. Yeah. We've Marco Poloed and we've yeah. shared our hearts, but we have never met in person. Mm-hmm. And I already know, I feel like I'm on a blind date <laughs> that I know is going to go yes. great. Yes. <laughs> yes. The proposal will be after this. Yes. yes. <laughs> you get the rose. You get the yeah, final get the rose. rose. <laughs> but I don't know how we ended up connecting online. I feel like this is such a unique time, like mm. in, um, I don't know, culture or yeah. society, yeah. that you can really meet people online and it's not fake. It's not right. like, what's it called? Fisher? Catcher? What's it called? When pe- catfish! Catfish! catfish. Yeah. <laughs> when people like catfish you online and right. there's all these like fake identities, you know, I feel like you can yeah. really form a good substantial relationship online mm-hmm. these days. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's an exciting time. And I think it um, just goes to show that God is moving in lots of different ways, mm-hmm. you know? And we'll absolutely use Instagram to enrich yes. your life yeah. I mean, <laughs> with godly people. It's, that's right. <laughs> Right. Divinely inspired. Thank you, Instagram. <laughs> um, so anyways, I'm really glad that we connected. I think it was probably mutual friends. Yeah. Yep. I think we, yeah, we have quite a few mutual friends and they were like, oh my gosh, you know Allison? And I was like, no. They're like, you've got to be friends with her. And so, yes. like, and I, I don't even think I said this is going to be weird. I was just like, yeah. hi, we need to be friends. Yeah. We have a lot of mutual friends. Let's just make this happen. Isn't that the glory of getting older? <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Where it's like, okay, yes. here's the thing, is that if you think this is weird, then you're not my people. Right. And that's okay. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. If you don't think it's weird, great. We yes. can start a new friendship. Right. Yeah. So here we go. We're starting our new friendship right here for the world to see. Right here, right now. It's happening. You know, as you and I were brainstorming topics, like things that we want to discuss, the word authenticity came mm-hmm. up. And I feel like authenticity, just that word authentic, yeah. has been a, it's been a buzzword for a long time. 
And I would like to reclaim that word because it's such a good word. It is a good word. <laughs> it is a good word. And I feel the same way that it's been, it needs to be reclaimed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a real, true way. Authentic way. Authentic way. <laughs> <laughs> Quit overusing the word, okay? Gosh, I'm just trying to be intentional. <laughs> um, so, Danielle, as we get to know each other, I'm just going to like dive right in because the deep end is mm-hmm. nice and fun and adventurous. Yes. Where are you spiritually? Like, How's your heart on a scale of 1 to 10? What's God doing with you? I feel like I've sort of tipped into a new season. I just kind of got out of this really like deep hole of like physical sickness Mm. and a lot of spiritual attacks on our family and on our home. I knew in that time that God was building us in a way that that was sort of like unifying our family in a new way. Especially, like, my kids are older now. Chris mm-hmm. and I obviously are older. And I just had this sense that this new season that we were sort of diving into was going to be different than we've ever had before. And so we're sort of at the, like, the beginning of that in anticipation to sort of see how God works um, in, in our lives more wholly as a family. Um, I've always done ministry on my own. My husband, you know, he works in HR. He does not work in ministry. But I have this sense that um, he's going to be using us together a little more Mm, um, than before. So yeah, it's new. It's fun. It's exciting. Scary. But uh, yeah, we just bought like a farm, which is like a whole new sort of thing that I think all of this is sort of coming from that God is using. So, yeah, I'm just sort of full of anticipation and hopefulness. And Do you feel like you've been climbing a hill and you've reached a clearing? Or do you feel like you're still in the middle of a climb? I, feel, I mean, if you've just overcome a bunch mm-hmm. of, like, sickness or attacks, yeah. do you feel like you can kind of take a breath now? Yes, but it's like a new, it's like a deeper breath for a harder walk, Mm. almost in a way. Mm -hmm. But the walk doesn't seem so hard. It's like my oxygen has been supernaturally, you know, multiplied. Yeah. You know, even though it's still hard, it's like a good hard because I've already fought a battle that's been won in a way. Mm -hmm. So just kind of building up our spiritual muscles still. What's your vision for the farm? Uh, We really want it to be a place um, for creatives to come and for people to come. I mean people from our local community to come and just get their hands dirty and laugh and make lots of mistakes and get dirty and have, you know, a beautiful time creating things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to create somewhere else. So that's really the goal and the hope and the vision. Um, And yeah, I just can't wait to see what God, (laughs) what God has in store. It's always. Will you um, tell the kind listeners what you do? What do you do in ministry? I'm a musician and worship leader. So, um, yeah, I travel full time and um, do conferences and retreats. And I work right now at a Baptist church in Missouri City and Santa Plantation um, and at some other local churches as well. So that's what I that's what I do. And then I tend to my chickens and my pig. <laughs> <laughs> that is full time. It is. It t- chickens like try to die. Right. Yes. They... <laughs> And so do, tur- tur- so do turkeys, yeah. No chicken ever has met a natural death. 
Ever. That is that is very true. That is very true. You just look at them, they're like, oh! <coughs> and they're like the perfect prey. They, they are. I mean, yes, prey. Yeah, prey. Prey. I'm like predator, prey. No, prey. Yes. Um, so how did you know that you were going to be a worship leader? When did you figure that out, that that was God's call for you? Oh, gosh. I was young. Young as in, like, teenager. I knew as soon as I picked up a guitar, hmm. I wanted to be a rock star so badly. I mean, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be Cheryl gosh, Crow. Gosh, me too, but I, I mean. just wanted to be Cheryl Crow <laughs> or Edie Brickell or I don't know. But I just remember as, like, a young kid sitting on, like, our back porch on our swing and listening to music and remembering there's something going on. Like, there's something going on in my heart. And I was always... I don't know if you're like this, where you can sort of feel the current of, like, the world, where it sort of, like, waxes and wanes and stuff, and I think when you can feel those things, it either makes you really, really passionate, or it makes you sort of just like, eh, I don't know what to do with myself, and I've always been this passionate person, and through music, I just started to realize that God was calling me to do something special when it came to, like, music and worship, uh-huh. And so as soon as I was able to pick up the guitar, it was just like this like light switch went off. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ah, okay. But I had no idea how I was, yeah, how that was going to happen. Because you think career, you don't think calling. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you think outcome. You think outcome. You think product. Right, you don't yeah. think kingdom. Yeah. And Or process. Right. You know, just yeah. what do you enjoy doing just for the sake of doing it? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, the more and more I did music, the more and more, you know, God really poured into me. And it was harder to almost do that, to think about the difference between, like, career and calling and purpose. Because you miss the times where God's just like, I just want you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, it's not about what you can produce for me. Mm-hmm. It's just about that you're my daughter. And, yes. You know, have you felt that way before? You know, I feel like in my younger years of trying to be this really good Christian, you know, trying mm-hmm. to nail it. Yeah. <laughs> Striving for yeah. this, you know, perfect, holy life. Or even, well, if I can't really be holy, the next best thing to being holy is faking holiness. Yeah. And so really kind of concentrating on how holiness looked. Like, mm-hmm. here's here are the things I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I feel like we can overcomplicate that in our younger years. Yes. And as I've gotten older, there's been this release, like this freedom mm. of... When God called the 12, he asked them to do two things. He asked them to come be with me, Mm. and then he sent them to go heal. And so when you boil it down to just that, being with God, Mm -hmm. and then sending yourself to go love people, that all of a sudden gets a lot easier. You know, you're not all... I feel like when you're kind of insisting on perfection, let's put it this way. I've become a lot, um, there's an easiness Mm. that comes with sin. I don't want to make that sound like I take Mm. it casually, but there is a calm acceptance that comes with, I'm not even Mm. supposed to have this life perfectly figured out. Because when you insist on perfection, I feel like the problems are bigger, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just that ease, that freedom of I need to be with God and I need to be loving his people. Yeah. And I kind of, it seems sometimes that our overcomplication is almost, sometimes we strive for overcomplication just so we don't figure it out to remember how simple things really need to be. You know, like we don't need like, 
you know, to sit in a in a room and you know brainstorm this these ideas sometimes right, right, when right. you're really just supposed to love God and be with God, yeah, and then like just go do what you're supposed to do. But by the way, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy, right? I mean, I'm still right. having a hard time yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it, you know. Yes, but I but I do feel like my focus is on the right things now, uh-huh. um, you know, and not getting caught up in too many complicated details. But how much of that simplification do you think starts with true identity oh right you know what I mean just this calm acceptance of who I am this Mm -hmm. is who I am this is who God made me and these are my strengths these are my weaknesses yes these are my gifts did I wish for 20 years that those were my gifts yes Yes. I did (laughs) right you don't have to be strong in everything and have I abandoned that now of it yeah like that is the beauty of it and I feel like once we know our true identity we don't have to like protect it Mm-hmm. or defend it, or assert it, Right. you know, yes. there's just kind of this calmness that comes with getting older. Yeah, 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 because I can ask you, you know what, I know you're really good at this, can you help me with this? Absolutely. You know, and I'm freedom. like, oh, freedom, right. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that younger self is in this survival, is like doing this survival dance. <laughs> yes. And the survival dance is a lot about status quo. You know, just Very that much. that thing about like mm-hmm. this is how holiness is supposed to look, right? And but I do feel like it's spiritually lazy. It yes. doesn't feel lazy at the time because you feel like you're working your butt off. Mm-hmm. But that slower sacred dance that's maybe a little more cl- contemplative, that's maybe a little right. more prayerful, that's maybe seeking out a little more silence or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that's maybe even bucking status quo, um, right. is where. I have been able to kind of find some truer identity. Like, yes. this is what's really me. This is the me that I've been kind of trying to strong arm. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the me that's, like, true yeah. and good. And when you do that, you have the ability to look at the anointings in your life, to look mm-hmm. at the gifts in your life, and to see how God, and to listen to how God wants to use those things. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately... It's about us being in motion with his motion. And we can't do that when we're dancing around looking like a chicken with our head cut off. Right. Always coming back to the chickens. Right. Always coming back to the chickens. <laughs> you know, those poor, poor chickens. <laughs> but, I mean, it's true. when you And it's funny because people assume, because I'm a charismatic worship leader, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily appreciate uh, silence mm-hmm. or appreciate contemplative practices and those are the things that actually get my feet back on the ground sure you know yeah because when you can't feel the ground and you can't feel what's like around you it's hard to understand okay what is the enemy trying to do in my life Mm -hmm. and what is God trying to do in my life yeah you know yeah and and that doesn't come without a certain lingering right you know and so you know, as a young person and, and, or even more recently, just working off a to-do list, you Mm -hmm. know, being a busy mom and, um, you know, that wants to work and, and do all the things, you know, it's like we work off of this hectic pace and this chaotic schedule and this long unmanageable to-do list. And then we end up going to bed depleted by Mm -hmm. all the wrong things, you know? And so with that, that true identity, with incorporating that silence, which by the way, has come because of pure necessity, like something had to give, Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. I remember sitting in a bathtub being so overwhelmed with my kids activities mm-hmm. and I was washing my hair and I was pulling out like 
way too much hair that should be coming out. And I'm like, okay, my kids' sports schedules should not be causing me this much anxiety. Like something has got to give. So now (laughs) with that realization, it's like, all I want to do is listen to Celine Dion and stretch. Mm -hmm. I just need some space. Where's my Whitney Houston CD? (laughs) Okay. Where is it? Okay, so you just mentioned, like, it was no big deal casually just a second ago that you're a Catholic charismatic worship leader. Mm -hmm. Tell me about all those intersections. Oh, gosh. Because that's that's normal to you and me, but I don't know that that's normal to everyone who's listening. Whether they're Protestant and didn't know that Catholics could be charismatic, or they're cradle Catholics and didn't know that Catholics ever raised their hands or are uncomfortable when they do, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. So talk to me about how you love to worship. I love to worship. I mean, I mean, I remember music has moved me from the time I was, I mean, probably before I could talk. I remember, I'll tell you a funny story, and I can tell this now because I've actually told my mom. My parents had this John Denver tape, and if you don't know who John Denver is, <laughs> use Google, okay? So You're they, missing you're, out. You're missing out on some great Americana. <laughs> So she had this, you know, like tape or whatever, and there's this like one specific song, "Sunshine on My Shoulders." I don't mm. even know if that's the name, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but we probably, all know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was maybe like seven, eight years old, and it would make me weep. Oh, I would just like weep, oh. which I mean, I guess it's kind of dorky if you think about it, but I would like weep and weep and weep, and I don't know why, but it like hit something inside of me, oh. and. I just could not, I could not handle it anymore. It, it if affected me. that's not a me. calling, I don't know what it is. It affected me, okay? And so I stole the tape and I threw it in the trash. And, because I was like, I'm done. I take it, I throw it in the trash. And my mom's like, where's the tape done, y'all? I mean, like, have you seen my John Denver tape? I don't know why it turned into like, you know, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> she's, she's from Texas. But I was like, Mom, I don't know. Gosh, I really like that tape, too. Huh. And I did not tell her until I was probably 30. I have something to tell you. What do you mean? It just made you feel too many things? It just made me feel too many things. Even as, like, a young kid, and I just couldn't understand, like, why? It's like okay, music this has and- got to be represented on the Enneagram somewhere. Because, like, yeah. things that make me yes. feel too many things, I'm like chasing violently after them I'm like what does that make me I don't know I I do now though like now I'm like it's like this hunger like Mm. I have this hunger for worship and being in the presence of God because I've seen him move in ways that are just miraculous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and supernatural and Mm -hmm. so as a Catholic worship leader I sort of have gotten to this place where I really just I don't care what you are, who you are, because God doesn't distinguish his Holy Spirit, you know? It's just the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do what he wants to do, and I just want to be a part of it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to get there. Yeah, I worked really hard, and I struggled with fitting into the Catholic mom box mm-hmm. in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of anxiety about that, and I didn't really understand what my issue was. Why I just, I couldn't fit, I couldn't, I wasn't this over here, and I wasn't this over here, and I couldn't do this. But I I started to just be like, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm really, really good at, and what God has called me to do. And um, there was a little baby that we were doing foster care respite for, Mm. and she uh, was being adopted by her aunt, and I was also adopted by my aunt. Hmm. 
and it brought up all of these memories and experiences and feelings about who I was and whose I was. Mm-hmm. I just remember like whipping my guitar out and Henry was little. Our youngest was, I don't know, maybe like four or five. And we just sat with, you know, Gracie in the bouncy chair and I just wrote and wrote and wrote mm. and prayed over her. Mm. And I just remember being like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not in a church. Yeah. I'm not on a ministry team. Like, I'm just going to worship. Yeah. With like my five year old <laughs> and this little tiny baby that I want to see in heaven when I, you know. Yeah. And be and again, that goes back to that simplification mm-hmm. of being with God yep. and loving His people. Right. Oh, right. I love that so much. Um, so you recently um, took to Facebook, <laughs> and um, and and wrote um, a beautiful manifesto <laughs> about um, loving people that are different than us and being yeah. kind no matter the instance. Um, instigated by, of course, Ellen and and George and G Dub. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Oh, gosh, this has always been like the fire in my belly. Mm. You know, this is what I talk about when I talk about complication. Did you say confrontation or complication? Complication. Complication. Yeah. Like we just have complicated so many things that now our world is like wowed by kindness. (laughs) When, you know, like, wow, wow, so nice of you. Mm -hmm. When really I'm like, this is like an instinctual Mm -hmm you know, thing. It's, it's an eight, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. an, it's part of who we are. And I've always sort of like rooted for the underdog mm-hmm. and have been the, uh, not devil's advocate, but I was never on like, I would like that to be named something different. I know. Frankly. Me too. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's be thinking. We're going to, by the end of this episode, we're going to rename a devil's advocate. Yes. <laughs> and so I just, yeah, I just had to say something Mm -hmm. and of course in my head I'm thinking like I'm getting on social media because they're on social media and I hate social media even though I have social media you know like (laughs) we love social media (laughs) but oh my gosh it's the worst (laughs) but yeah I just think the world has complicated so many things and now we've gotten to the place where like the simplest of things and the most natural of things are shocking yeah um and I want us to get back to the place of just simple love yeah you know mm-hmm. um and I want that so badly like I want that so badly I think of you know when I legacy is a big thing for me hmm. and I think about you know when I'm gone what are my kids like what's what's the world gonna be like when my kids are having to take care of it yeah how much work are they gonna have to put in um and so I really want the days that I have to be an impact. And many a times it's like just the simplest of things with the people around you. It doesn't have to be people all around the world. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, impact the whole world. Sure. Like I just across want to see or across right. the street. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to impact my kids. I want to impact my neighbors. And honestly, I want them to impact me. Mm, amen. You know? Yeah. Like, I want to sit down with my neighbor and be like, oh, man, like, you're so wise. Yeah. And I love getting the chance to to do like this. Like, yeah, I mean, this is beautiful. Yeah. I feel like as a society, we're either reacting 
and it's oftentimes an overreaction. Mm-hmm. So we're either doing this overreacting or we're either conforming. Yeah. And I feel like there is a healthy middle <laughs> ground that's just finding our own way. Yeah. You know? And so if we're conforming, we're not finding our own way. And mm-hmm. if we're just having these very drastic overreactions, we're not finding our own way. Yeah. And so if we could just kind of settle into... Now, that is an awkward in-between space. Yeah. and But I think that prophets are called to awkward in-between spaces. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think that it oftentimes requires a lot of waiting. And we're not very good at that. We're not good at waiting. You know, there's kind of the knee jerk overreaction or there's the knee jerk. I'm supposed to be doing this conforming. And this waiting place Mm -hmm. is no no one chooses to wait. You know, no one chooses to let's, let's take some time and figure this out on my own. Let me, let me struggle through this. Let me wrestle with this. Oh wait, I'm invited by God to wrestle. Let me wrestle with this Mm -hmm. and find my own way. Yeah, for sure. And I think what I've noticed, um, I thought many a times it has to do with our intentions behind our actions. You know, we have, we've gotten this like instinctual, like, well, she's got to have a reason why she's doing that. A motivation. You know, a motivation. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what's their motivation? Because they, you know, someone wants, wants us to believe something different or, you know, I've had people question me about, well, why would you work at, you know, Protestant churches or why would you do this or why would you do that? I'm like... First of all, why wouldn't I? And secondly, do you really feel, are, are you more worried about my, uh, you know, my theology or are you worried about my salvation? Because I'm worried about salvation. So if that means me loving on people where they are in their own places, in their own spaces or in their own homes, then so be it. Yeah. Okay, so back up a little bit. You lead worship in Protestant spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, primarily. Primarily? Yeah, primarily. Cool. Yeah. Specifically, like, you do their Sunday services? You, like, yeah, what I do, do you their do? Sunday services. Um, I teach sometimes. Um, and, yeah, it's it's been um, very life-giving mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brought up a lot of great conversations and what I realized specifically is that I had a lot of judgment on my part from my own story growing up in East Texas having to like growing up as an apologist growing up having to like beg people to believe that I loved Jesus so much and Mm -hmm. yes like I like I want to be in heaven with you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, no, I don't worship Mary. Mm-hmm. No, but I like, I love her deeply and dearly. Mm-hmm. And so now I've been able to have like adult conversations from a, you know, a different vantage point and just have good, honest discourse and conversations without the judgment of, you know, you know, I feel like, and I I feel like you could be instrumental in this. There's, there's very, I don't, I don't know. This feels like an overstatement, (laughs) but like Catholic art, like Mm -hmm. let's appreciate Catholic art. Let's dive into Catholic artists. And I'm not saying that Catholic apologetics isn't, isn't important, but let's add to that with art and so that people can see our beauty right? because we, we believe the things we believe as a Christian because they're true, good, and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we have focused so deeply on it being true. Um, 
and good, yeah. and we haven't really sunk deep into it being beautiful. Yeah. You know? ha- have and you ever read see that. Uh, JP2's Letter to the Artists? Oh, you, you yes. But it was forever ago when I... Mm-hmm. Was I was discerning if this was something I wanted to yeah. do. So my I met, we don't know this about each other. Um, I became a Christian as um, a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a praying home, and um, in a spiritual home. But it became very specific to me with mm-hmm. a high school ministry. Yeah. And so I made it my own at that point. And when I met my husband, it he was so cute and so mm-hmm. fun and so smart, and he was so inconveniently Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I could really Catholic bash right, for right. sport. <laughs> <laughs> and so I told him, I said, I will read about this, but only I will only make this decision if I mm. feel like it brings me closer to God and not you. Yeah. And, and I hoped that I meant that. I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't sure. You know, I really wanted to share something deeply spiritual with him. Yeah. And so um, I started reading, and that was instrumental for me. Mm. Yeah, his yeah. letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's something about, well, I mean, it's God. You know, when you see something... When you see a piece of artwork, like anyone could see a piece of artwork and just be like, like taken back by its beauty mm-hmm. and just be in awe. It's this, uh, it's this language that only God can speak, but people still understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's something that is being revived right now. Mm-hmm. I do feel a revival. In, yeah, I do too. In, in the arts uh, and across the board, whether it's, you know, dance or multimedia or music or painting but we've the church has always been you know a a place of creation Mm -hmm. of of creativity of course it would be the thing that would be a unifier Mm -hmm. you know that the holy spirit would use to unify people so yeah beauty beauty woos Mm -hmm. where um it crosses lines yeah before we we go this time has kind of flown by, but before we log off, before we quit recording, what's something that's been transformative to your faith? I think probably one of the key things is just understanding and uh, knowing and being okay with what my story is, Mm. that my story doesn't have to look like anyone else's story, Mm -hmm. that God has a job for me to do, and I'm the only person that can do that job, Mm -hmm. and that God has a job for you to do, and you're the only person that can take care of that job. And it's knowing uh, that your walk, however long or windy or bumpy or straight, you know, that walk is in your story um, has sort of like gotten you to that point. Yeah. And that's why we walk together. I always say, you know, um, healing is very, very personal, but the walk is communal Mm. because we all have to walk together. That's beautiful. And it's, I love that. We just have to um, begin to um, like remember that not everyone can get to authenticity as fast as you can get to authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everyone's like, I just want authentic friends. But some people cannot, like they haven't gotten to a place uh of healing in their story where they can be as vulnerable sure. as, you know, maybe they they need to be. And a lot of times I think it's because God is working on them so they can work on with someone else, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the same at the same pace or at the same time. Cuz I've seen so much where God has uh paired people in ways that uh 
kind of like keeps them going, like keeps yeah. them in motion yeah. and doesn't keep them stagnant. Um, and so I think sort of looking back, you know, through your story and recognizing, gosh, uh, this is a place where I'm still believing the lies that the enemy has told me, mm-hmm. you know, or this is a place where it may be a struggle or it may be bumpy, but I still need to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and remembering who you are and where you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's a really, I, I think this has been crucial for me when you were talking about not everyone's going to be as ready to, not everyone is, is ready to be as vulnerable as you are willing to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really wise friend that talked about this concept. Um, it, it was actually season one, episode one, like the very first podcast we ever oh, did. Awesome. Yeah. Um, she, we, it was, ta- we were talking about spiritual friendship mm. and she was explaining the idea of a house. Like think about the layout of your house. And I want to take someone by the hand that's at my front door and I want to walk them through my front hallway. I want to walk them through my dirty living room and past the spilling out yeah. laundry room <laughs> and into my bedroom. And I want to sit Indian style in my master bathroom. Right, like, yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And she was explaining that some people want to hang out in the foyer. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time beating myself up over the people that want to stay in the foyer. Yeah. And what she was saying to me is that that doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with you. I feel like we, the narcissist in me, you know, um, makes everything about me. Right. And it's not necessarily about you. This person, it's not because they don't like you. Yeah. You know, I, I spent so much time taking that so personally. Yeah. And so we're having this interview and I'm like, so what I hear you saying is that it's uncivil (laughs) to drag people by their hair into my bathroom. And she's like, yes, let them hang out in your foyer and be kind. (laughs) It's just where we all are. And it's okay. If we could just, I am telling you, my 40s are about calm acceptance. Yeah. This is about a calm acceptance, not just of myself, mm. but about where other people are too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 100% agree. Well, thank you for an awesome first conversation. Thank you. How was our blind date? It was wonderful. <laughs> Will you set, well, can we get a second date? Yes, for sure. <laughs> the rose is in the car, so. <laughs> let's let's actually, let's go have that second date right now. Let's yeah, go to lunch. We'll go to lunch, yeah. <laughs> Bye, sister. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Danielle. Yes. We forgot to rename Devil's Advocate. Yeah, we need to do this right now. Okay, what Let's you got? I have Purposeful Questioner. Ooh, gosh, that's really good compared to my Think Harder. <laughs> think think Harder. What else you got? Um, I have Underrepresented Understander. Ew, really good. Um, <laughs> really, you're a lot better at this than I am. I'm like... Are you sure you've thought it through? <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> okay, uh, discounted defender. Mm, okay, now how do we make like it stick? That. We got to make it stick. Yeah, <laughs> discounted defender. It's just I, I like the 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 use of the same consonants. Uh-huh. Yes, alliteration together. always alliteration. works really mm-hmm. well. It's going to help that's for the, the sticking word, factor. Alliteration, yes. <laughs> the sticking factor. I feel like that's. Uh, can you Amazon Prime that, a sticking factor? Yeah. It seems like something you we can. Sh- we should be able to. <laughs> um, will you close us out? Will you sing something for us? Um, sure. Can I? Uh, I'm just going to use some inspiration around here. Hey, ladies. If you're looking for some friendship, grab some coffee. Maybe a venti Starbucks. 
Bring it to your friend in Brown Card Station. <laughs> Fill her up with caffeine. <laughs> Listen to the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean. <laughs> You're I feel welcome. Like I should be keeping a beat. I know. Where's like the tribal drums? Where are the tribal drums? Forthcoming. Okay. All right. Thank Date you. two. Yeah. <laughs> Love you so much. Bye, sis. Bye. <laughs>
the listeners should know that I cannot make eye contact with you right now because this is like so overwhelming to me to talk about and articulate because I feel so grateful. Um, your biggest gift to me is just fierce loyalty. And I think that goes with what you're saying and just the way that we show up for every, for each other. And, and I, and the truth is, I don't think you can have many friendships like this. I don't think anyone can in their life because the level of commitment, the level of loyalty is just not sustainable for 15 people. Um, you know, you said that like, I'll drive to a speaking engagement, but I mean, you've literally dropped your entire family to come be with me as my father passed away and, and hit a target on the way to make sure that I had the right toiletries. Um, <laughs> and, but it's also just showing up in the way that you can, when you can, if it can't be that big, it is, I mean, something that you've done just this week is just sent me like the most generous, um, perfectly worded text when I was just having a moment. And so I think it's just showing up in the biggest way that you can, um, all the time. And then having that, um, like you said, just the, um, what was the word you used? Um, but it's likely to cost you something because everybody wants something for nothing. You know, it's like you see, um, camaraderie, you see affection, you see, you know, a lightheartedness and a trust and fun, but it starts with that inconvenience, you know, it, that it, it requires something. It's going, um, it's, it's not always going to be easy. You're still trying to think of a word. Well, it sounds like being us is like hard and like a burden and it's not. And so I just, I know what you're saying, like that it's like a commitment and a priority, but I wouldn't say it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Stop trying to poo-poo on our friendship beef. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just keep this in here. <laughs> anything else <laughs> let's call it good you don't seem ready to fist I know yet. I'm sweating I'm sweating why it's just so important because this is like such a gift that it's hard to articulate um, it well enough then let's just let them see us overwhelmed okay okay Peace. bye bye <laughs>
The sea with its crashing waves, the field with its bounty, the trees rooted tall in the forest, the wind blowing through their leaves. Each of them sings praise to God just by being what it was created to be, by being its own authentic self. I still don't know how exactly to find what that means for me, but I think that when I find it, I'll know it, because by being my authentic self, I'll be singing God's praises with my very life. Dear God, we come to you and we pause and we breathe and we take a minute to notice where your spirit is present and how you are moving. You know all of our hurt and all of our aches that we can't identify and our longings for what is real. Help us, God, to see how much you love us and how much freedom and power is available to us through that love. And then, God, let that love overflow from us with generosity so that it is evidenced in the way that we live our lives. Let the people who we encounter be changed because they were able to see your light within us. It's easy to keep relationships at surface level, God, including ours with you. So help us to draw such deep confidence out of your love for us that going into the beautiful deep, it doesn't feel risky or dangerous, but instead it feels exciting and full of potential. Help us, God, to get rid of the selfishness that ties us up when it comes to sacrificial love. And please, God, help us to balance walking in honest community with others in such a way that we don't idolize it or reject it but instead that we love wildly the way that you would have us love. We pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Danielle Noonan. If you would like to keep up with Danielle or book her for your next event, you can go to DanielleNoonanMusic.com. You can follow her on Instagram at Danielle Noonan Music or Soggy Boots Farm. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chen Redfield for music. Thank you to Kristen Kelly and Mary Bishop. For more of Mary's writing, head to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com. Center Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Center Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available for patrons. Send us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.